2023 Treasure Island Development Authority Board Meeting. The TIDA Board and its committees are convening hybrid meetings that will allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment by telephone. Public comment will be taken for each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be heard first, followed by those joining remotely by phone. For remote public comment, the call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2595-355-1364. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Remote public comment will be limited to 20 minutes per agenda item. When public comment is called on your item of interest, those joining in person should line up to speak at the podium, and those on the telephone should dial star three to also be added to the queue. Each speaker may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime indicating you have 30 seconds remaining and a second chime when your two minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted for the sake of equity. Item number one, call to order. Director Sen. Here. Director Dunlop. Here. Director Richardson. Here. Director Breston. <coughs> Director Howard. Here. Director Azim. Here. Supervisor Dorsey. We do have a quorum. Great, thank you. Thank you so much and welcome all of you here. It's great to be in person at City Hall and it is spring and you see all the brides uh, in City Hall. It's, it's, it's great to be back. Um, so before we begin, um, I, I actually would like to ask Nadiha Azim, who is our new um, commissioner, new director. Um, we didn't uh, have time for her last uh, time she was here. She um, had to leave early, so I'm giving her the opportunity to address the board and the public, if you would like. Thank you, um, President. So, uh, Nabiha Azim, I am worked with Mercy Housing for the last eight years and start, um, started construction on Starview Court. So I've spent quite some time on the island with Catholic Charities residents and definitely heard concerns and tried to partner and work with residents to address concerns and I'm very excited to be here and listen to what everyone has to say and try and find solutions and figure out how to develop this island and also appreciate what is on the island now. Thank you so much Nebiya and welcome. Um, so um, that's open for the first item please. Item number two general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to address the Treasure Island Development Authority Board on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Authority Board and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. Any members of the public who wish to speak on this item in person, please line up now. And those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. And the access code is 2595. 3551364. All right, thank you. Um, so go ahead. Please introduce yourself. Good afternoon. My name is Noelle Bonner. I'm the CEO and principal of Bonner Communications. You may be wondering why what I, a communications professional, am doing here with construct with construction. began in 2019. 
when I was charged with leading a grassroots effort to implement critical changes to Chapter 14B. Those changes were signed into law in November of 2021 by Mayor London Breed. And as part of that effort, we had to educate city departments, officials, and stakeholders of the challenges facing many micro-small businesses in San Francisco. And as part of that, we did ask TIDA Director Bob Beck to speak in front of the LBE Advisory Committee on August 5th, 2021. Because in the community meetings we had, there was a consistent theme amongst micro-LBEs. They were being barred from the opportunities at Treasure Island. In that meeting on August 5th, 2021, Director Bob Beck stated that TIDA must use SBEs to fulfill goals on Treasure Island, but that San Francisco LBEs are automatically also considered SBEs. We reminded him that the DDA, or the Development Agreement, states that San Francisco SBEs must be considered first. He went on to state that Projects on the goals out at Treasure Island had a 41% SBE participation for construction and 38% participation for professional services. And at that time, they were apparently exceeding the SBE participation with 46% of all construction being awarded to SBEs and 50%, 57% to professional services. But, immediately, but upon immediately being prodded by the LBE Advisory Committee about the percentage of those SBEs that were actually San Francisco. Thank you very much. Director Bob Back was asked to, excuse me, um, the LBE Advisory Committee prodded him about what the percentage of San Francisco-based LBEs were actually being used as those SBE participation numbers. Director Beck did not know. Director Beck was asked again to speak at the December 8, 2022 LBE Advisory Committee due to the continued frustrations by micro-LBEs not getting work at Treasure Island. This time, Director Beck stated that, to date, SBE firms had been awarded 46.6% of all construction contracts, with apparently 80% participation by SFLBEs and 47% of all professional service contract contracts, and 95% of them were San Francisco LBEs. This would seem staggering to everyone in the room, and many felt that these percentages were highly unlikely because no one in the room knew a single SF contractor or trucker with an ongoing contract at Treasure Island. The LB Advisory Committee, CMD Director, and City Administrator's Office asked for the names of the business or businesses and the breakdown of the SBE participation by LBE size. It's important to remember that there's a micro LBE, the smallest of the LBE category, LBE and SBA LBE. The suspicion, the suspicion was that one SBA LBE was getting most of the work at Treasure Island in both the construction and professional service categories. We asked that the TIDA Board of Directors provides the requisite oversight and works closely with CMD and the LBE Advisory Committee to ensure that the smallest of the LBE category, micro LBEs, are getting opportunities at Treasure Island. Thank you. Well, it's frustrating listening to that. My name is Bruce Duran. I'm on the Mayor's Small Business Advisory Committee. I'm also the President and Chair of the National Association of Minority Contractors in Northern California. I'm going to repeat that when you guys signed the uh, DDA back in 2011, you said what you were going to do. You reinforced that four years later in, um, with an actual um, 
SBE program that delineated how you were going to execute it. You have since uh, amended that. And in all three, that was done in 2016, and in all three of those documents, it was consistent in saying that you were going to prioritize San Francisco LBEs. But where the difference is, is that you haven't done it. It's been rhetoric, no action. 2021, we asked to see the numbers, something that you all should see every year. And how you can watch those numbers every year and measure that against what you said you were going to do and not be appalled at it and it not drive you to say, now what are we going to do about this? I don't, I don't understand it. The second thing is that you look at the numbers and you say that, oh, we're making it at the SBE level, where your primary responsibility is to the people who elected you. That's why you put that language in there to prioritize San Francisco LBEs, but you didn't do it. You haven't done it. Part of your job is to provide for the happiness, if you will, of your citizens. And the happiness is giving them a, a standard of living. You know, when you're in school, you don't have a, a living. When you're retired, you don't have a living, but your working life, you have a living. And you're not doing very much to support their living. All of these jobs and opportunities, they're all out there in the suburbs. And those suburban job companies were companies you... Thank you. Your two minutes is up. Okay, go ahead. Two more minutes. Thank there's you. a thousand and one ways to do something, and there's a thousand and one ways that you can use an excuse not to do something. I would urge that you all stop taking the easy way out. You owe your, you owe your citizens more. You owe them more, and you're not doing that job very well. I'm a 69-year-old man who has spent my adult life being a veteran. And I've been, trying to, I've been trying to pay back the debt that the country has given to me. I got a great education out of it. I've gone much further in life than I ever would have gone without it. I'm asking you all just to do the right thing, and you're not doing it right now. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Trisha Gregory. I am CEO of Heavyweight Trucking, a micro LBE trucking company in uh, Hunters Point Bayview District. Director Beck has spoken at the LBEAC uh, meetings two times over the last two years, yet still our cries have gone unanswered. He ignores our data requests from the micro LBE community, the LBEAC committee, the CMD, and city administrator's office that would add context to what we have all been saying, that the micro LBEs in the city of San Francisco is getting no work on Treasure Island. In the fall of 2022, a gentleman by the name Charles Shin, the managing director of TIDG, came and met with the micro LBEs in the Bayview. He made it very clear that we have not talked to him yet, and to give him a chance to that he was willing and ready to support our committee, our community and to give him a chance. Yet, that has not been done. I can't say the day after that meeting, De Silva Gates had reached out to me to let me know they did have trucking opportunities out there, but that was it. 
This community, we have fought really hard for the 14B changes and many primes and GCs in the city of San Francisco that you guys have on Treasure Island are following those 14B changes. Yet on Treasure Island, they are not doing it because there is no, there's nobody looking, watching them. So we're asking you guys for um, oversight and ensuring that the DDA is being followed where it does state in the DDA that San Francisco LBEs should be looked at as SBEs and they should be given the opportunity first. We need the title board of directors to enforce the language in the DDA. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. My name is LaSonia Mansfield and I'm the owner, proud owner of Mansfield and Mansfield Construction Cleanup Company out of the Bayview Hunters Point. Bob Beck has spoken at the LBEAC two times over the last two years, yet still our frustrations and concerns about being barred from uh, accessing opportunities at Treasure Island have fallen on deaf ears. Tida ignores data requests from the micro LBE community, LBEAC, CMD, and city administrator's office. That would add context to what we have all been saying. We are not being put to work at Treasure Island. I have the following ask. We need more micro LBE inclusion on Treasure Island. We need an LBE liaison at Treasure Island solely dedicated to ensuring that micro LBEs and LBEs are getting contracts on Treasure Island. We need the acts to be put out to the GCs and primes to review their current projects and determine whether any opportunities can be rebid for the San Francisco micro LBE or LBEs. This retroactive rebid will allow us to take advantage of opportunities now instead of years later. If TIDA Board of Directors doesn't step in to provide oversight, micro LBEs will continue to be barred from opportunities at Treasure Island. This is an opportunity for everyone, not just for Bob Beck and the organizations that he's put in place. Help the uh, micro LBEs out of San Francisco. We hire our own people out of the community. Thank you. Hello everyone, my name is Tristan Dion. I'm owner of Streamline Drywall. We're also a micro LBE along with everyone else here. Um, I too have in the past listened to Bob Beck from TIDG discuss the apparent ways that LBEs from SF have been included at Treasure Island, as well as Charles Shen from TIDG share how he plans to step up and make sure we micro LBEs are integrated onto projects at the island. For all of Tida's apparent inclusion, I am unaware of any other contractor in the MicroLB community whom has work on Treasure Island. I am not familiar of any SF MicroLB success stories, which would be a great thing to hear about, despite many promises at the end of last year. TIDA continues to ignore data requests from the MicroLB community, LBAC, CMD, and the city administrator's office. We are not being put to work at Treasure Island. Speaking from Streamline's experience in the SF Union market since 2017, larger drywall contractors use their economy, and this applies to many other trades as well, um, use their economies of scale factors to leverage their financial position within projects to ultimately exclude us from opportunities to partner 
or we are offered unfair contracts. The only way to potentially get a fair contract is through labor service agreements, which is where we put some attention. And Bob, I've reached out to you directly since recent meetings and have not been able to contact with you to be able to discuss it further. Um, again, just reiterating what everyone said, there aren't any opportunities for the micro-LB community. If TIDA Board of Directors does not step in to provide oversight, micro-LBEs will continue to be barred from opportunities. The TIDA Board of Directors needs to work in concert with the Contract Monitoring Division, the LBAC, and to enforce micro-LB inclusion at Treasure Island. It may feel heavy hearing this, and it's definitely not a dream scenario for us to need to take it to these measures, but we are pleading for your guys' support. We would love to be a Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, are there any others um, on this issue? Are there any others on any other issue? And we'll get back to this. Yeah, go ahead. Good afternoon, directors. My name is Jeff Klein. I'm a 25-year resident in the villages at Treasure Island, and I want to thank you for hearing my comment, uh, which is about the fiscal cliff that is facing transit, the city, and the Treasure Island project. We know about the transit death spiral. We know about the $780 million two-year city budget hole that has increased, gone up $90 million just since January. And now, and we already knew about a shortfall in funding for affordable housing uh, that was identified years ago as being 400 or $500 million shortfall. We also know that the developers, Treasure Island Development Authority, uh, Treasure Island uh, Community Developers, TICD, through the DDA, has only promised $17,500 for each uh, market rate unit to go for affordable housing. And now if, if they ever build 6,000 units of market rate housing, that's only $105 million, which remains a huge shortfall. So I'm going to ask that since the commercial rents and the residential rents have comprised three quarters of TIDA's budget for the last 25 years, I'm going to ask that TIDA which under federal law is the displacing agency responsible for providing replacement housing and relocation benefits, should set up an escrow account using our rents and put that aside just in case, the commercial and residential rents, just in case the developer cannot make good on their promise, their paltry promise of 105 million to fill in a 500 million gap. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any others? Okay. Then, are there any people on the line? There is no public comment on the phone. Then um, I'm going to open it up to the directors. And first of all, let me say um, thank you for the people who have come to talk about the LBE situation. Um, it's the first time as a board that we've heard this. Um, so we are um, grateful for you calling it to our attention. And um, we need to delve into this. Um, we need to hear from our staff about this. Um, and so I beg for your patience. Um, and I will ask the staff and 
Bob Beck, our executive director, to report back to us on this very important issue. Um, so, um, and, and, and let it be known, you know, we are also in partnership with TICD, which is doing the market rate housing, and also with One Treasure Island and with our nonprofit housing developers, which is Swords of Plowshare, CCDC, and Mercy Housing as well. So those are actually the developers who are doing the work on the island. And, um, and yes, we would like to hear comprehensively um, what is our policy here, what are our, our, our programs. So um, thank you for bringing that to our attention. So um, I'm going to open it up to the board for their comments, and then we'll go forward. Yes. Oh, Mark. Yes, please. Hi. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Chairman. Um, I guess first off, you know, when I was asked to be on this board, I, it was an exciting potential because there's both affordable housing and, of course, hiring of local uh, folks. And so that's, they're both vitally important for the health of our city. So that's, I um, appreciate the comments that, that we've heard today. I was wondering if it's appropriate, I could ask uh, Director Beck to respond, at least in brief, to what was said. Um, uh, let me do this, Mark. Um, let us take the comments from the other directors, and if um, Mr. Beck is prepared to speak, um, we will let him do so. This is general public comment. It's okay. not on the agenda. Oh, so right. it, it may be that we would want to put it on agenda so we can go into it in more detail and depth. But I open it up to the other board members. Uh, Nabiza? Yeah, Nabiha. Thank you. I also wanted to thank you all for bringing that. I'm new to the board, and so I definitely was not aware, and it sounds like this is the first time we've heard of these comments. And so the, my question really is towards Bob, and I'm not expecting a response today, um, but we can add it to an agenda later. I think it would be important for, I know that CMD has LBEs and micro LBEs listed, and so if we can get an information about if the data shows that there is 95% or whatever percentage micro LBEs being represented, who? <laughs> I think that would help. Um, also, I do understand that the developers are TIDG, the affordable housing developers, and they are the ones that select the LBEs and subs. And so what is in our power really to influence how they, or not influence, but to um, ask them to, select micro LBs or just what are our strategies and how can we support this issue because we definitely want micro um, LBs and just local organizations a part of a island-wide San Francisco development. Thank you. Miss um, Richardson, please. Yeah, thank you so much and let me just say, you know, thank you for all of you coming here and, you know, looking at the faces, I'm sure at one point or the other, I know because I'm out there in the community as well. And, you know, it's disheartening hearing this. But I also wanted to let you know that great that this is brought to the public because then it gives everyone the opportunity to be able to comment publicly so that everybody is on the same page. Us commission here are from the community. All of us are and we have track records that we have put in place. In fact, you may not know that um, 
as part of the development. Myself, my colleagues, commissioners here, fought to make sure that as we are developing Treasure Island, we also create training for that. We, Treasure Island, has more African Americans, Latino, from at risk, from prison, people that nobody here in San Francisco will gamble on. I said, bring them on. We have stories, it will blow your mind when you look at them. People that look like you and everyone, in fact, one Treasure Island, and every year, for me here, that program means a lot to me, that I, when I look at the budget, that's all I talk about. Religiously, why do I do that? I know myself, my colleagues have the expertise to build a city within a city. I have the expertise to build Treasure Island, but what good is it for me to come back there 10, 20 years from now, the people living there are not given, do not reflect people that I know are being gentrified in this city. It means a lot to me. So the policies that I put in place here and in the city is basically in line with what uh, you are talking about. We know that we have the DDA and when you have a public-private partnerships, the DDA outline everybody obligations, but that does not mean that I cannot question, I cannot ask, and this matter is not for, because it's not an agenda, but I'm going to ask that we put it on the agenda, and I'm also going to ask that the data, also from our partners and everyone, are here, and I'm also going to ask for the city attorney to be you know, present so we can ask questions. Yeah, the result might come back to me that you know, based on the DDA, that my development partner, because of their obligations, have so, but I have questions to ask. So in short, since I can delve into this because it's not the agenda, but we heard you loud, clearly, and uh, we are going to look at how we're going about this and definitely ask for the data the data will tell us what we are doing, how we are doing, and how we can mitigate that there is equity and you know, uh, you know, for all. But rest be assured before you all live that everybody here, if you look at their records, are because they have put themselves on the line fighting for equity, and we definitely can fight. Even sometimes, you know, we have to question the city as well. We've done that, and we are capable of doing that. So thank you all for being here. Thank you. Um, I, I'm sorry, I can't. Um, but I will ask Bob Beck whether he wanted to offer the response or a quick comment right now. But certainly, I think the board's wish is to have it be an agenda item where we can discuss it deeply and carefully. Yeah, no, uh, happy to do that, Director Tsen. Um We can plan on that for the next board meeting. Okay. Um, and I think. Older, or the the longer tenured uh, members of the board uh, know that as as it was mentioned, we have an SBE program uh, for Treasure Island uh, that does acknowledge small businesses from b both inside San Francisco and outside. 
uh, does have language to prioritize small businesses from San Francisco. Um, but we can do an in-depth presentation on the program and also uh, on TICD's current performance under the program. Great, thank you. So that will be um, certainly put on the agenda um, as, as um, quickly as possible. Um, if it's not next month, um, uh, certainly we will let you know um, when that will be. So thank you very much for coming today. And Noel, I know your parents from when they were about your age. So, <laughs> <laughs> so good to see you. All right, so we will go on to the next item, please. We do have one caller on the line. So oh, I'll, we do. Um, yeah, okay. I'll allow them to. All right. Sorry. Hello. Sorry, it's a um, caller on the line. Thank you. Okay, can I speak? Yes, you may begin your comment. Thank you. Great, thank you. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Connie Cannon. I'm here to speak about Treasure Island Marina. Uh, first off, my issue is not with the management company, Almar Marina. As you should be aware, the aging docks were badly damaged and many condemned in the atmospheric weather event a few weeks ago. In the interest of transparency, I'm re respectfully requesting that the TIDA Board of Directors schedule an agenda, uh, agenda item to have the leaseholder Treasure Island Enterprises LLC give a presentation about the short-term plans for the marina. The slipholders deserve to know the status of permitting um, and have guarantees about being grandfathered in to the new marina as promised when it is built. I'm here because my attempts to get information from, uh, from Jay Wallace, who's represented the leaseholder in the past, um, and the title office have gone unanswered. I'm hoping that you can help me with this. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any others? Um, because we're going to close the public comment if uh, that's possible. But um, that's another item, the marina. Um, I was actually on Treasure Island yesterday, and I know that there was a lot of storm dam damage to the existing marina. Um, and we are all anxious to know what the next steps are for the new marina that has been um, proposed. So if that could be on the agenda um, for uh, next time, that would be helpful as well. Thank you. Okay, so I think that's the end of the general public comment, and we will go on to the next item. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Thank you, Directors. Um, this morning, uh, Timothy Rafe was um, up for approval at the Board of Supervisors uh, to, to be appointed to the TIDA board. Um, with his appointment, we will have a full board for the first time in more than two years. Um, so that's very good news for us. Uh, I'd like to invite Sherry Williams to come up and, and say a few words about Treasure Island, One Treasure Island's programs and progress in the last month. Good afternoon. Nice to see you all. I'm Sherry Williams, the Executive Director of One Treasure Island, standing in for the fabulous Miss Nella Gonsalves, who is out of town today, um, to give our report. Um, and so um, some of you that have been board members for a few years now know that we had commissioned two studies from the National Initiative on Mixed Income Communities 
to show. Um, one is to basically, how do we build a new San Francisco, an expanding San Francisco, a growing San Francisco neighborhood that is inclusive of everybody and you know a mixed income community. And one of the things they highly suggested was that we develop a shared um, statement for the island, a shared vision statement for the island. So one Treasure Island doesn't have one vision, Tida doesn't have one vision, the developer TIDG doesn't have one vision, but we have one shared vision. So we have been, for the last few months, circulating a survey that I'm not sure if you all have completed, but we've uh, extended it because we're trying to get as much input from uh, the greater, both folks that live on the island, work on the island, care about the island, such as yourselves, to um, input. And anybody that's you know listening um, also can um, definitely um, get our survey. So I'm going to, um, I'm not sure where Kate is, but I, I want to circulate these. And if you haven't taken um, the visioning uh, project survey, we highly um, uh, would thank you in advance for um, participating because we really want to have a statement that reflects um, the values, the aspirations, and the vision for this island from that is a communal, a collective vision. It's not just one group, this group, but we are talking as one island. So I have that to share with you all. And then um, the other thing was that I know that Nella mentioned earlier that we have started this texting program where you can get texted every week um, all of sort of the updates about Treasure Island um, or, uh, and all of the flyers that are going on, the happenings that are going on. And, um, and then also, we recently used it for some emergency issue that came up. Um, our food pantry, which operates on a Tuesday, was one of those incredible stormy days. And so a lot of people couldn't make the food pantry. So we used Textitly to text out to folks that we were going to reopen it on Wednesday. And we had over 50 households from Treasure Island come and, and were able to get. So it's, it's not only so that you can find out what activities there are on the island or what resources there are, but it's also being used. And if you haven't signed up for it, it's an awesome way to get. I, I actually, I get it, and I just love it. So I have that for you as well. And then I want to invite you to our Spring Fling. Um, this is an annual event that we initiated a few years ago. It's a, um, a spring fling and wellness fair. It's going to be on May 13th. Um, it's from 12 to 4, and there's an awful lot happening on it um, that day. So um, I have flyers for you um, here. It's being co-sponsored by you all, by Tida, but almost every other agency and group on the island is co-sponsoring it with us. Um, and so it's going to be just an awesome day. So I, I really hope that if you have the time to come out and um, you know meet um, some residents or your fellow residents, and um, we have hip-hop dance classes, we have rock the bike, face paint, painting, bouncy house, we have the magic tooth bus, which is going to do some um, to, um, dental screenings and so forth. So we have a lot going on. So that's on May 13th. And then I wanted to, um, I know we've talked a lot about our oral history project, and we have these portraits that were done of the 14 the, uh, participants in the first round. We're hoping maybe to do another round in the next year or so. Um, but we did 14 portraits, and it's a way to really highlight the existing community on the island, those who have worked there, those who have lived there, and um, 
those, those portraits and um, ways to actually access their oral histories is being featured on the fourth floor of the main library right now. So if you have time after this and you want to go to the fourth floor of the main library, you can check that out. And so it's just a, a wonderful way to showcase Treasure Island, the people that live there, and the, and the community um, that has existed and um, thrives on Treasure Island. And then I wanted to mention that we have just completed um, operating our free tax site. Um, we know that it has, it ex, it has extended um, the due date for uh, tax um, filing is extended, but our tax um, site is closed and we will refer people to 211, but we did complete over 250 so far. Um, we still have a few more days, actually, I get we have till Monday. Um, to over 250 um, um, uh, tax returns were filed for Treasure Island residents and workers, and so um, all free, of course, um, to those folks. And last but certainly not least is our construction training program is having its next round, its 15th cohort, Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to start May 1st, and, and the graduation will be June 23rd, and you're always welcome, and of course we will send you a notice for the graduation, but just if you want to keep it back in mind, June 23rd at noon at, um, is the graduation for our 15th cohort. And with that, I conclude my remarks, and Kate, can I give you these flyers just to um, share with the commissioners? And thank you all very much. Thank, thank you, mm -hmm. Sherry. Um, as was mentioned by the caller, the last caller during um, general public comment, uh, the um, marina did take quite a bit of damage uh, during the storms of March 21st. Um, the westernmost uh, pier and slips, um, which, which were not in use, um, broke loose from the... Uh, uh, moorings uh, and are being in the process of being removed from Clipper Cove. Um, we also lost a uh, great number of trees on both Yerba Buena Island and Treasure Island uh, in that storm. Um, it was the most storm damage I had seen in, in my 10 years with Tida um, and uh, quite, a, quite severe uh, damage that day. Uh, several of the trees on Yerba Buena Island that came down were in excess of 75 feet tall um, and took down uh, electrical overhead lines uh, as well as one of them hit a transformer. Um, we did have two concurrent power outages on that day, one on Treasure Island and one on Yerba Buena Island, uh, while other portions of the islands retained power. Um, the PUC uh, was able to resolve both outages within two and a half hours of their occurrence. Um, but the fact that we, we had two concurrent outages uh, is, is actually a sign of progress from the older electrical system where uh, either of those incidents would have taken down both islands uh, in their entirety. Um, so uh, the uh, new switchyard uh, and as well as the other improvements that have made, been made on the distribution uh, system are showing results. Um, as it happens, my power at my home was out for 13 hours that day. <laughs> um, uh, there's a ribbon cutting scheduled for uh, March 18th for the Maceo May Apartments. May uh, 18th. Um, yes, May 18th <laughs> uh, for the Maceo May Apartments. Um, and the SFCTA will be scheduling a ribbon cutting in early May to open the new I-80 
eastbound off-ramp and Southgate interchange. Uh, we'll provide the directors with information on that event when scheduling is, is finalized. Also, uh, Atau, uh, who is, will be installing the new Point of Infinity sculpture um, in uh, the Western Hilltop Park, uh, began taking delivery of the component pieces of the sculpture yesterday, uh, and will begin erecting the sculpture in, in early May. Uh, an event will also be scheduled in June upon the completion of the installation. In addition to the Southgate project completion, uh, the CTA uh, received its permit from the Department of Public Works for the Westside Bridges project and will officially award the construction contract for that project this Friday. Uh, the start of the construction is scheduled for the end of May. Uh, the TIMA, uh, the CTA sitting in another role, has also signed a contract with uh, BEEP, uh, a firm to uh, it run the autonomous vehicle shuttle pilot program on the island. Um, the start of passenger service will be is targeted for mid-May and a public event where people can come out and see the vehicles um, and an explanation of how they operate will be scheduled before service commences. Um, we plan to include them on the agenda at the May board meeting uh, to provide more information on the, on the pilot. <laughs> Uh, yesterday, uh, on Yerba, uh, Bio Blitz was, was held on Yerba Buena Island uh, with approximately 15 participants, including Director Sen, mm -hmm. uh, who recorded flora and fauna along Clipper Cove Beach in the YBI Oak Woodlands and other locations using the iNaturalist smartphone app uh, in partnership with the California Academy of Sciences. The Treasure Island Museum uh, has a, a few upcoming events. On April 29th, they'll have a uh, lecture as part of their Little Island Big Ideas uh, series. And uh, they will also have an organ concert on May 13th um, and a book launch uh, on May 20th. Uh, the title of the book is Stranded in the Sky, The Untold Story of Pan Am luxury airliners trans trapped on the day of infamy. Um, and then finally, uh, the Golden State Warriors uh, filmed a video on the island on April 4th uh, along the Avenue of the Palms that will be used as part of their um, playoff promotions beginning uh, with this Saturday's uh, telecast of the, of the start of the playoffs. Uh, and that concludes my report. Thank Quick you. Question. Thank you so much. So we'll, we'll open it up um, for um, public comments and then to the directors. Were there any public comments online or? Thank you, directors. Jim Morowski, 16-year business owner, member of Treasure Island Organizing Committee. Um, thank you, Director Breck, for the report on the outage during the storm. Uh, we were aware of that. However, um, since December, we've had uh, we've had seven power outages lasting from 1.75 to over three hours. Nine power interruptions. That's where the power goes out for a very short period of time. We've also had 27 voltage drops, more than 10 to 15 percent. I came to the last one. These cause a lot of damage with equipment, um, refrigeration, 
any equipment that has a motor or that kind of stuff, these are causing damage with it. So I asked back then uh, to have some kind of report from the PUC about what's going on, what we're gonna do to am ameliorate all these issues and what have you. And, and so we can better understand how to protect our equipment and our, and our businesses and as well as the appliances that a lot of residents have. Um, since I haven't heard anything back from TIDA, I have now reported, I'm going to put together a report from my utility monitor, a detailed report giving all the way back to actually a little, little bit farther. Uh, I will be sending that report to the board of directors, uh, also to Director Beck and also the deputy director of power at the PUC and formally requesting that we get a little report from TIDA and the city about what's going on to ameliorate it. I do appreciate that that last one we had was indeed storm related. I actually saw the, the PUC guys going out there and fixing it. So I actually asked them and they said, yeah, we bunch of power lines went down. Totally understand that. But that doesn't explain the other, other uh, numerous issues that we're having. So again, you'll be you, you should be expecting that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any other public comment? Jeff Klein, 25-year uh, Treasure Island resident. Um, I uh, thank you for hearing my comment and uh, forgot to welcome the new member, Nabila. Um, uh, Sherry mentioned the vision survey. I don't have a QR code reader and I wasn't able to actually, I punched in the link to a search engine and I couldn't find it. So there may be a participation problem. Uh, I just talked to Jim and he didn't know anything about it. Um, I also wish she had mentioned the, uh, the text number because I'd, I'd like to sign up for that. I guess it's on the, the OTI website. Um, but uh, I wanted to actually talk about the, uh, a surprising thing called a special assessment. There is a, in your report, uh, the written report on page 10, the Bristol unit matrix mentioned a $740 special assessment for BMR units, but for all units on, uh, in, in the Bristol on YBI. Um, I've never seen this before referred to. I don't know what it's for, and it really affects the affordability of these BMR units, which cannot, total uh, housing costs for those units can't run more than 33% of the uh, qualifying income. I just ran the numbers on this. Um, with a $1,500, over $1,500 HOA, plus another 9,000 for this special assessment uh, on a studio, you're talking at 43% of total income. Uh, <laughs> It's a catch-22. If, if you're having to put out 43% of your income for housing, you're not going to qualify for a mortgage. So it's a catch-22. You say you want to provide this support. This, these units are in the, the Dahlia portfolio for the city, but they're not affordable. So, I mean, what's the deal? Why, why is the HOA dues on, on Yerba Buena so high? Is it to pay for all the... the Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, um, are there any people on the phone? There's no one on the phone. Okay, so um, I'm going to open it up to the directors sure. and um, Ms. Breston, Lashandra. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Bob, I have a question 
Well, maybe this one is more directed at Sherry. Is there a chance that there will be a collaborative display at the museum with the display that we have at the library right now with the oral history? Of the participants in the oral history, is there a chance that their pictures and the histories will be displayed at the Treasure Island Museum? Will they be coming back? Because we've been, you know, different people have been hearing about, you know, now that they've been at the library, and I was wondering where is it going to come back? I, I think people would be interested to see that. Okay. Um, and then um, I got two more questions. The bio blitz, is there, Faye, then maybe this is for you and Linda, is there a possibility that we can do a collaboration with the uh, photography workshop? I, I think that would have really been good to right. have. And well, maybe we can do another bio blitz? Right. Well, the bio blitz happens once a year, and it's with the Academy of Sciences. So there's two scientists that are there. And um, the participants who came, there were quite a few people from the SEDGE program, um, which is a wonderful program where um, um, youth are hired and trained, where we had cultivated the seeds and the um, soil of the native plants um, mm -hmm. before construction began. And then we grew it in the nursery so that those plants that are there now in the stormwater and along the Clipper Cove, those are from the native plants from the seeds mm -hmm. that we had collected back then. It's a wonderful program, it so there were people from there. Um, and um, there were some um, high school students from the academy, the like mm -hmm. Looney Academy. So there was quite a bit of participation. But um, certainly the photography program is something that we have supported. And maybe it's a good idea for them, the, the students during the summer, Mm -hmm. to go to some of these places because I really believe that if the young people understand what what is there in terms of flora and fauna, they're going to much more embrace it. So yeah. that's, yeah, I that's think a, good idea. a good idea. So. And um, also, in reference to the storms, um, the 21st, um, I just got some pictures that I will be forwarding to the board. There seems to be an issue along the Gateview and Avenue B, that corner where the construction is, where the buildings have been taken down. There's a lot of flooding on that end, and it's coming across the street, and it's causing damage to cars. I seen the video the other day. I haven't had a chance to forward it to Bob, but I did speak to him about it as it came to me, and it's significant damage, and we just I'm pretty sure is something that can be avoided because it causes, you know, it's a safety issue right there at that intersection. Thanks, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Yeah, Ms. Richardson. Yes, thank you. Uh, just a couple of questions, uh, Mr. Beck. One has to do with the outages. I know that we have the new switch, you know, however, um, with the ongoing outages, I think um, from the public, nine since December, and we had also asked before, maybe it's time to have the SFPUC, and um, you know, we can ask them some questions. I think it would be appropriate at some point to you know, have the SFPUC at the beginning of the year, and also for the public to know 
where we are. That presentation should include where we are in an infrastructure because the ultimate is to have a new electrical system. However, it's not tomorrow and it's not next month or whatever. And so to, and we are hearing that not only the outages, but again, because of these high voltages and all the sensitive, all electronic equipments are very sensitive to attenuations, to fluctuations. So we need to, you know, have that. The other question I have at the last meeting, there were questions about transportation uh, that, you know, we understand because of the uh, construction that where people, you know, their buses or whatever, and people have to travel, uh, time to do that. I wanna know a status on that. Have we found an adequate way to streamline ease of transportation on the island? Because that issue was brought to us at the last meeting. So I would like to, you know, have. And lastly, you know, we have all kinds of programs on the island and, you know, we have one treasure island. Is there any way that maybe everybody that is working on the outreach can help us to carry uniform information so that when we are having all these, whether it's survey or whatever, whether we're having uh, spring activities or whatever, that it can be shared to all the islands, fix uh, to know. And I think, and we are gonna be getting more residents on the island pretty soon because of the new housing. And I asked them, is it gonna be important that every one of the residents are on the same page so that activities going on in the uh, shared um, uh, equally. So I would like for that is something on the agenda that um, you know, the director can, can help us to, 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 to do that. Because this new text that the One Treasure Island, they do a lot of outreach there, everybody should have that you know, whether they have jurisdiction, whether they're on the Treasure Island, it's a very useful information and tool to have. Or even when they're going to be constructing uh, the construction training that is ongoing on the island, and we know that the primary targets are everybody on the island, and we've been able to do well on that. Again, uniform dissemination of information, that is it, so thank you. Thank you. Um Yes, Mr. Dunlop. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, first, I thought at last month's meeting that we were going to have a discussion with the PUC. I guess that couldn't be arranged, but it seems fairly, not fairly, it, it's really important that the um, residents and business owners on the island are aware of what's going on and that the problems are fixed. I mean, these are, could potentially be extremely expensive when the power goes out or has a blip. And uh, we, you know, I was hoping we would be talking about that this month, but uh, perhaps maybe next month, because we really do need to sort of tie it down and assure current business owners and future business owners that you know we've got it together and i think that's really really important um and i guess that's oh just one little thing uh, on the street naming thing which was also brought up last month um 
I always thought that we had some input in that, and I went by um, Seven Seas Road. I, I sounds like you know pirate thing, and I don't. I'm not sure, you know, and not to make fun of whoever thought Seven Seas would be a really wonderful name, but it, it just sounds more like, you know, Treasure Island and Robert Louis Stevenson than it does the, um, the actuality of our island. So that, that's all. Thank you. Um, I'm going to let Bob um, speak on that, but I do believe that the PUC, um, we, have, we want to ask them to the on-island meeting and I believe we're arranging that um, either in, in May or June. It's probably most likely going to be in June, but we're canvassing the board as to the time to do that. Um, so that will, that will be coming soon. And it's in terms of the street naming, um, that did come before the board and, and was approved by the board. It was a plan of all the street names that was presented, and much, many of those names go back to the time of the exposition and the historical fact that those were the names that were chosen during that time. But um, Bob, um, I can direct it to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, just on the subject of street naming, yes, uh, the, the street naming conventions were brought to the title board and, and to the Board of Supervisors through the mapping process. Um, and the, the, the pattern of street names are drawn from place names, artists, and architects that were part of the Golden Gate International Exposition. So, um, but I'll, I'll share that with our newer board members as well as, as our current board members, um, you know, as a refresher. And if we want to bring it back for presentation and discussion, we can do that as well. Now that they're showing up on the island, uh, it's current again. <laughs> so, um, also, uh, Director Breston and the the question of, of arranging a bio blitz uh, in conjunction with the, the photography program. Um, the bio blitz is supported by Titus staff and, and uh, Department of Environment staff that, that we have a work order with. And so we could make those staff people available uh, to, to work with uh, uh, the photography group uh, as, as part of, uh, uh, if they're interested in kind of seeing the the coastal area, the shoreline area, and, and some of the, the flora and fauna, uh, we can make staff available for that. Um, <clears throat> on, the, on the outages, uh, having the, uh, the uh, printed information or electronic information from uh, Mr. Murawski will be helpful. Uh, it gives us uh, something specific to analyze and, and respond to uh, and look at what our records show uh, versus what what his uh, uh, device has been has been tracking, um, and we will schedule that for a, for a future uh, either uh, on island meeting or or uh, ITC meeting um, in the in the future. Um, those are the main items that I I had. Uh, some immediate information on but thank you thank you very much and, uh, and I would say you know here we are in City Hall in a windowless room but <laughs> yesterday when I was on the island you know the with the bio blitz what and it's springtime and the Sun is shining 
And I, it was just a magnificent day to be on Treasure Island and how lucky we are to have that natural environment. And we have actually one of the most progressive um, plans for native habitats on the island. And it is something to be proud of. So um, let's, let's remember all of us that we're working together to really create the most wonderful place and to preserve it. So um, is there anything else um, on this item? Um, oh, I see. Yes. Um, could I let mm -hmm. Ms. Howard? Yeah. Oh, Go I ahead. just wanted to get the clarification on the, the SFPUC, because I know last time we we asked that the that be on the agenda. I did assume, like Mark did, that it would be today, but just wondering if we could get a clarification of when we will be able to meet with them and talk with them. And Faye mentioned they might be it might be the on island meeting, but could we could we kind of nail that down? Um, I, well, I'd like to see the the data that Mr. Morowski is going to be submitting, uh, and then uh, have the opportunity to schedule time with PUC staff to review that. Um, but I would, I would imagine uh, May ITC or, or June on a board meeting if we're on island, one of, one of those times, we'll, we'll work it into the schedule. Um, yeah. Thank you. So, so for sure we will have that report from the PUC to have the PUC here, either in, in the May um, or June framework. Okay, thank you. Um, um, and uh, yes, quickly, since we want to get on. To my the last point would be about going back to transportation. Have we come to some type of terms about the people who are utilizing the ferry and having trouble accessing it? And also, in the report, there is a lot of complaints about Muni not completing the route, not making it to stops at different times, the various times, usually very late or mid-morning and it's affecting people getting to work, getting to school, getting to the ferry because they have to walk. So I really feel like that's something that needs to be addressed. I don't know if we need to get Muni out here, 311, but with the extra couple of blocks added on to the route where they go down there by the storage, they're not making that up. They won't, they're not coming up Gateview. So they're cutting off pathway in between and they're going back out. And I know they like to stay on schedule because of many things that can happen on the bridge, but it's becoming, from the complaints I'm seeing, it's becoming a real it's a issue. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you have more information that you could share with me, that'd be helpful. Uh, the, there are a number of old complaints in the 311 log that have not been properly closed out. Okay. Um, but but I don't think there have been very many recent complaints about muni performance. Well, um, what I noticed from my own travels on the bus is that they don't always go that route. I'm not sure if it's certain days that they go that route, where they make it down to the storage facilities, it, it or if they should, do it at a certain time. Should be the same route regardless of day, time. Yeah, it and should I be the same route every time. Yeah, um, so. Perhaps there's some uh, inexperienced drivers or drivers who are scheduled in that aren't necessarily routinely on that route and and perhaps mm -hmm. there's some confusion it but as far be. as the what where the route is supposed to go uh okay. it's it's the same regardless of day or time of day or day of week and what you're saying that i would hope that they're not relying on gps because there's a certain part of the island i don't know if you noticed that when you come down the um seven seas there is a total outage of internet 
there's n- like a whole block in between the new building and the old building, the new construction and the the one that's that we're opening, Maceo May. It's a whole block where the internet drops off, no communication, the radio turns off if it's internet. So I'm concerned that if they're using their GPS systems that Muni has on the bus, could that be part of the confusion? Mm-hmm. Like you said, inexperienced drivers, a new route. Well, thank you, thank you for bringing that to our attention. And so, yes, so Bob, um, maybe you can communicate with Muni. Yeah, we can reach out to them. Thank you. Thank um, you. So next item, please. Item number four, communications from and received by Tida. Okay. Um, are there any comments on the communications from the public? Good afternoon, directors. Uh, Steve Stallone with the Treasure Island Organizing Committee. Um, Madam President, I'd like to uh, just say that it was good to hear that we're going to be having an on-island meeting sometime soon. The sooner the better. I would like to stress, as we have consistently, that we need more meetings on the island, meetings during uh, the evening when working people can make it, um, I know a number of people who wanted to attend this meeting and they had to work. Yeah. But let's, uh, let's talk about uh, the elephant in the room here. Uh, the fact that the developers of Treasure Island are suing each other. Um, I'm speaking under this item because there is a, in the packet uh, a, letter, uh, a copy of a news story about that, those lawsuits. The lawsuits are flying back and forth. The um, developers are uh, telling us that uh, things are going very badly financially for them. They are suing each other because they're trying to find a way to lose less money. Um, And they are, are, of course, blaming each other for it. Um, and um, though we know that a lot of the delays and stuff has been because of, um, well, are causing a lot of the problems. I'll try to be quick here. Um, So, um, yeah, some people may ask, why am I worried about how much money the developers are making? And the truth of the matter is I'm not. I'm worried about how this is going, the the lack of capitalization is going to affect the progress of the development, affect the... uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, directors um, and uh, board. I I actually want to follow up on what Steve just had to say. Um, I actually printed out the legal brief for uh, TCID Stockbridge versus Kenwood. And I encourage all of you to, it's not that long, they're both about 25 pages long, but I encourage you all in your role to do oversight of the redevelopment to read these these legal briefs because they're pretty damning. Um, Specifically, just to summarize real quickly, the three uh, partners in TCID that are suing each other are represent 50% of the redevelopment project. 
Um, they are basically saying things have changed significantly and they're, they're going very poorly. Uh, quoting from one of the complaints, page 18, section 73, in sum, over the recent years, nearly every financial input and financial return equation for Treasure Island has been going in the wrong directions. Costs have increased, timing of land sales and bond offerings have been delayed even further, and revenue ex uh, expectations have declined. And specifically, they quote in here, section, uh, page 17, section 68, um, project revenue from sales of lands have fallen 30%. Development costs have increased by approximately 28%. And financial costs have spiked by 16%. I encourage you all to take this online, Superior Court of San Francisco, read these, do your role as oversight, understand what's going on, and also reiterating what just Steve said, come out to the, to the community, talk to us, tell us what's going on on island meetings, bring uh, Supervisor Dorsey as well, so we can have a discussion so we know what's going on as both business owners nonprofits and community members. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Jeff Klein again, uh, and I'm going to talk about the same uh, issue of the project developers suing each other and um, dramatic uh, pinch on their profits. Um, the upshot is there's not enough profits to, to attract new investment to the project. That's where they're suing each other. Um, and this puts the whole project in jeopardy. And it certainly puts the idea that they're going to build 2,000 plus units of affordable housing. So uh, again, uh, with the, given that there's already a huge shortfall in funding for affordable housing, uh, you knew that Silicon Valley Bank uh, was going to provide the operational funding for Maceo May, and they went bankrupt, basically. They were insolvent the day that that funding was supposed to be authorized. <laughs> so now they're searching for operational money for, to actually operate Maceo May. Um, and SVB was also a big uh, funder for uh, affordable housing in the whole Bay Area. So I'll repeat my request or suggestion that TIDA consider um, setting aside an escrow account um, funded by the commercial and residential rents that have comprised most of their budget for the last 25 years um, to pay for relocation benefits and transition units, replacement housing units, and last resort housing, um, since the developers look like they may not be able to do even their small part of that, the $105 million. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other comments online? There is one public comment on the phone. Okay, let's hear it. Hello? Yes, Go you ahead. may begin your comments. Okay, thank you. And good afternoon. My name is Carol Harvey, investigative reporter covering Treasure Island since 2014. Chris Meany of Wilson Meany has repeatedly described the shiny new community that is being created on Treasure Island 
with 8,000 units of housing, many new businesses, and a potential population of 20,000 people, he appears to completely delete the residents who have lived on the island and the businesses serving them since 1999 who have funded the redevelopment with their market rate and subsidized rents. These residents, some of whose portraits have appeared in the Building One Rotunda, have put their blood, sweat, and tears into the life of their close-knit island community and need and deserve a clear explanation of the process the developers went through in choosing to bring each other on board to fund the redevelopment project. They need to know exactly why these entities are suing each other and why, as they have been quoted as saying in KQE and Business Times articles, quote, this could definitely throw a stone into the gears and bring the development to a halt. Thank you very much. Thank you. There's no more callers. All right, so I'm going to bring it up um, to the board if they have any questions. But I would say that um, the, the, between TICD and the various partners, it, it is a business dispute which does not involve TIDA. It is amongst their partners. Um, and it is true that this development, the, the private developers, um, uh, have faced enormous um, challenges between the pandemic, between rising interest rates, um, between the bank collapses. You know, it is certainly having an effect on their development plans. Um, and so we hope that the economic cycles are going to get better. But um, the success of their development of the market rate housing certainly is what's funding the public realm. It's funding the affordable housing and it's funding our parks and open space. So we want to make sure that they are successful and that um, they have the ability to do um, what they have promised to do. But we're very aware of the business dispute but it remains just that at this point in time. It's a business dispute between partners. We are not involved in that. But we are very concerned, of course, um, about their success because their success also is funding the things that we care about, which is the affordable housing, the parks, and the open space. Yeah, thank you. Um, are there any other comments from, from Mr. Beck or the board members? Okay, and we are certainly getting um, the time for a in on island meeting. That's um, uh, has have we gotten a date for that yet, Kate or Bob? I was going to discuss it with some of the board members afterwards, okay. but we're, I we're trying I'm, to get make sure that all the board um, members are there. Yeah, I'd like to hopefully confirm it today for the, for the yeah. June meeting. Yeah, so so, so we're, we're thinking that it might be June, but it certainly will be May or June. Um, let's see, were there any other items? Then go, let's go on. We're now quarter to three. I want to certainly get through the rest of the agenda. Thank you. Next. Item number five, ongoing business by board of directors. Any items? Next. Item number six, consent agenda, approving the minutes of the March 8th, 2023 meeting. Okay. Um, so uh, moved. Okay, is there a second? second. Um, and are there any items that the board would like to uh, consider separately from the consent agenda? Mm -mm, so no, hearing none, is there any public comment? 
Okay, hearing Being no public comment. Hearing none, let's have the roll call vote. Oh, can it be done, done by acclamation now, since we're not, no longer online? All right, all those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed, the ayes have it. Item number seven, transitional housing update. Thank you, Chair and members of the board. Um, this is a follow-up to our conversations from last month uh, and addressing some of the questions raised by the board members as well as uh, comments from members of the public. Um, so I w wanted to go through, and also here today is uh, Karen Edelman from ARWS, our, our Treasure Island Advisors. Um, uh, and um, we'll, we'll go through the, the presentation. Um, so following up on, on last, from last month, I uh, again wanted to begin by clarifying um, the One Treasure Island transition plan as it relates, uh, as it contrasts with the transition plan for the, the villages at Treasure Island, the market rate housing. Um, speak a little bit to the origins of the transition housing rules and regulations. Um, what a transition unit is. Um, and then uh, recap again, the, the initial outreach effort uh, of, of, of the last five years uh, that, that we've had, as well as uh, then looking forward at our upcoming engagement plans over the next six to 18 months. Uh, so the One Treasure Island uh, transition plan is, is uh, uh, out, laid out in the amended and restrated uh, base closure homeless assistance agreement which has sometimes been called the tie-dye agreement or the One Treasure Island Agreement. Uh, and it covers uh, transitional housing plans for the um, One Treasure Island member agencies that operate housing on the island, Swords to Plowshares, Catholic Charities, HomeRise, and HealthRite 360. Um, those agencies currently operate 260 units of housing for formerly homeless households on the island. Uh, and all One Treasure Island residents uh, and pro programs and residents in good standing uh, are to be transitioned to replacement units or facilities uh, under that program. Uh, and TIDA is partnering with One Treasure Island um, agencies, those housing providers, uh, to develop our initial projects in order to uh, achieve that transition. Uh, the first of those is, as you're aware, is Maceo May Apartments um, at, uh, on Bruton Street. Um, it was developed by Chinatown Community Development in partnership with Swords to Plowshares, uh, 125 units for homeless and, and low-income veterans, and uh, is transitioning our current uh, Swords to Plowshares um, residents into the building. Um, and they'll lease up and move in his progress. And, and as we discussed next month, uh, they'll be having a, a ribbon cutting ceremony there. Um, the Starview Court, uh, Director Azim's former project, um, is, is making good progress. Um, and uh, this is a 138 unit building being developed by Mercy Housing and Catholic Charities. Um, will accommodate our, our current Catholic Charities households um, and we'll also have uh, some units specifically to help provide transition opportunities for the longer-term residents of the villages. 
um, as well as uh, additional affordable uh, housing opportunities for which uh, current um, market rate residents who meet income qualifying standards will have a priority uh, before citywide in the, in the citywide Dahlia lottery. Um, that construction began last May. Uh, there was a groundbreaking in July and, and we expect to have occupancy in the summer of 2024. Um, the, the next building that is in the works now is, is uh, a behavioral health building uh, for Health Right 360 and the Department of Public Health. Uh, it's going to be located on uh, what's known as parcel E1.2 um, across from Hangar 3 on, on what is now Tradewinds, formerly California, um, on the island. And it'll provide a permanent home for Health Right 360's uh, current programs on the island, as well as program expansion place space for the Department of Public Health. Uh, we were successful in uh, receiving a nine and a half million dollar uh, continuum of care expansion grant from the state, uh, as well as uh, DPH has committed a significant amount of. Uh, bond funds to the project as well as um, developer housing subsidy contributions uh, from TICD. Um, and that pre-development work has, has commenced um, and we'll look forward to uh, uh, bringing that design to completion and breaking ground when the infrastructure uh, is in place to support the building. Um, looking then broadly at, at at the transition housing strategy, uh, I mentioned the first building, Maceo May, followed by Starview Court. And you can see here where the behavioral health building uh, is proposed to be located. Uh, we'll also be de developing a second uh, building on that same site, which will be a, uh, uh, a building for, for seniors. Um, and then uh, the, our next two sites, um, IC 4.3 and E 2.3, um, we anticipate developing those um, where with and providing transition opportunities for roughly half of current home rise residents in, in each site uh, at IC 4.3 and, and E 2.3, 2 2.4. Uh, those buildings as well as the senior building will also all include some additional transition units for um, current residents of the villages. So then moving to the villages uh, transition opportunities, um, there's been some discussion of, of state and federal relocation law. Um, and for members of the public, as well as some of our newer board members, I wanted to, to touch on that as it relates to the origin of the THRNRs. Um, the purpose of of these relocation laws is to ensure that pre-existing owners and tenants of property acquired by a public agency are protected if they are displaced uh, by a public project. Um, the, uh, uh, the California Code defines acquisition as obtaining ownership or possession of property by lawful means. Uh, TIDA acquired the Treasure Island housing through master leases with the Navy in 1998 and 1999 and then made those, that housing available to the public. Um, without 
Taida's prior acquisition through the master leases and our rehabilitation of the units, uh, there would be no residents on Treasure Island. Um, the uh, federal and state relocation laws requ generally require that displaced persons, as defined in the code, uh, be provided with advisory services, moving assistance, and payments to cover increases in housing costs based on the cost of a comparable residence. Um, but under relocation law, a person who assumes occupancy after the date of question is not a displaced person and is eligible only for advisory services. Um, so as po post-acquisition residents, Treasure Island residents are not displaced persons under relocation law and therefore are, would be entitled to only advisory services under uh, state or, or federal law. Um, this uh, was uh, interpretation of, of acquisition and, and displaced person status was uh, confirmed uh, in 2018 uh, when the California Superior Court uh, issued a ruling in a claim brought by former uh, residents of Yerba Buena Island regarding 2015 interim moves to new treasure, to existing Treasure Island units, where the court found that plaintiff's right of possession rose after the city acquired uh, the possession and are therefore excluded from the class of displaced persons. Um, so although uh, the city was not required to provide replacement housing benefits under relocation law, uh, the city did adopt the transition housing rules and regulations to extend certain housing benefits and opportunities to households residing in the villages when the DDA was approved in 2011. That includes the opportunity for a newly constructed transition unit, uh, an alternative of an in-lieu payment or down payment assistance, uh, as well as advisory services and moving costs. Uh, these benefits are generally consistent with uh, or exceed the benefits uh, that would have been required uh, for a displaced person or a displaced resident under relocation law. Um, and then in December of 2019, the THR&R were amended to provide priority access to new affordable units constructed on Treasure Island um, to residents of the villages that moved in after uh, the DDA, after 2011 and prior to 2019. Um, the transition units that are uh, described in the THRNR and in the housing plan, um, first the housing plan lays out that those transition units will be in authority buildings, which are uh, affordable sites that TIDA is charged with developing uh, across 20 parcels distributed throughout the island. Uh, uh, 307 of the affordable units will be inclusionary units. The balance of the uh, 1,866 affordable units will be constructed by TIDA in partnership with various affordable housing providers. Uh, the transition unit standards as described uh, in the THRNR in, uh, include uh, the legal standard of decent, safe, and sanitary, and also provide uh, uh, provisions on sizing and rent uh, of the new units, um, considering the original rent uh, played uh, for their villages unit, 
the size of their villages unit and changes in their households uh, composition since uh, 2011. Um, and if uh, a party is interested in an affordable in, in it also in, in household income and any other uh, program requirements of the individual affordable site. So then moving to uh, the uh, outreach efforts over the last five years, um, again, looking at our population of, of villages households, we have 92 households where everyone in the household uh, resided within the unit in 2011, um, 65 units where some of the individuals in the household resided in the unit in 2011, and then uh, 161 units where um, uh, no one in the household resided there in 2011. And that uh, those households include a total of 321 uh, individual residents that were there in 2011, uh, 392 residents who came to the island between 2011 and the end of 2019, as well as 105 residents that have moved onto the island since the end of 2019. So um, when we first uh, entered into contract with uh, um, ARWS uh, serve as TI advisors, um, the, the first priority was to engage uh, with each of our uh, legacy households. Um, and so there was a full uh, spectrum of strategies that were employed to achieve that engagement. Uh, we had a series of open house information sessions to promote and schedule uh, individual one-on-one -on -one interviews. Um, uh, ARWS staff were available in person or on the phone uh, for daytime, evening, or weekend appointments. Uh, and for a period of time, we actually uh, converted one of the uh, vacant residential units into a relocation resource center um, so that uh, people could schedule appointments right there within uh, the neighborhood, uh, both during evening hours and on Saturdays. Um, uh, eventually, uh, um, we, uh, they, they were able to meet with all of the people who were uh, reaching out and, and engaging, um, but there remained a number of households that uh, we had to, uh, they had to take additional measures to, to achieve contact with, with residents, included phone calls, emails, texts, door-to-door uh, -door knocking uh, to, to uh, introduce themselves to residents and schedule appointments. Um, ultimately, uh, there was a connection made with each legacy household. Um, a, a few did uh, uh, decline after contact was made to schedule an advisory meeting, uh, but that was fewer than 3% of, of all of the households. Um, based on those, those interviews, TI advisors issued uh, preliminary notices of eligibility uh, to each of the households, and I'll describe that a little bit in a couple slides. Um, but we also gained uh, insights uh, into household composition and, and the housing options that might be available to different households based on uh, income, uh, uh, self-reporting of, of their income, household incomes. So the, 
preliminary notices of eligibility were distributed in the fall of 2018 to each legacy household. Uh, the um, the PINO, as we uh, we've we've used the acronym, um, provides a description of of THRNR options available to the household, and a summary of benefits specific to the household, inclu including identifying. Uh, individual household members, their eligibility, transition unit sizing, and and a preliminary calculation of a future in lieu or down payment assistance uh, benefit. Um, it also advised uh, the Pino also included a flyer that advised. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Advised also of potential affordable housing options uh, based on on the self-reported household income. Um, of course, any any eligibility for housing would, would need to go through an income certification process. Uh, the the Pino was also accompanied by a flyer that described uh, the improvements that would come with development, as well as the adaptations that would be entailed uh, in moving into a transition unit. Uh, in terms of the income information that we we learned uh, from from residents based on their their self reporting. Um, a little more than, than half of our um, legacy households uh, potentially qualify for affordable housing. Um, and so as we go through the transition unit offer process, um, some, some residents may be able to uh, take advantage of affordable housing uh, opportunities, for instance, within the Starview Court building as well as the transition units that are available. Um, a quarter of, of uh, interviewed households did not provide income information, uh, and and another 20% uh, indicated that they had incomes uh, in excess of, of uh, the standards that would qualify for uh, affordable housing opportunities. Um, in 2019, uh, May of 2019, we, uh, with title board approval, extended an early in lieu uh, opportunity to uh, legacy residents uh, that were not interested in continuing to reside on Treasure Island until transition units became available. Um, Treasure TI advisors delivered outreach letters uh, to each household describing the benefit, um, created additional supporting uh, materials outlining program options and advised residents and, and process requests. Uh, over the last uh, three years now, uh, 67 residents have uh, taken advantage of the early in lieu payment opportunity um, and TIDA has, has issued uh, almost $700,000 in payments to uh, these individuals. Um, the, the in lieu payment calculation, and this is also uh, applies to the, the down payment assistance that is available through the um, disposition and develop, uh, sorry, through the THRNR. Um, the amount available to an end, uh, individual household is based on the, the household size, the number of residents, uh, and, and the ages of those residents. Um, it's only based on the, the pre-DDA uh, benefit eligible members of the household um, and the values used in the calculation uh, are updated annually uh, and follow the San Francisco Rent Board's 
uh, schedule for relocation payments for no uh, fault evictions. Um, where the, the no fault evictions uh, provisions are capped at three adults per household, uh, the, the transition housing rules and regulations provide uh, for payment up for up to four uh, adults per household. And then uh, if an individual in the household is, is uh, senior or disabled, uh, there's an additional uh, amount provided uh, for that uh, individual. And um, there's an, an additional payment uh, if there are children in the household, um, but it's a fixed payment regardless of, of the number of children that are in the household. So um, this is a, what the current uh, schedule of those values are. Um, as of uh, March 1st of this year. Uh, so it's $10,160 per adult um, and just over $6,800 uh, if there are children in the household or $6,800 if uh, an adult is either uh, uh, um, senior or, or disabled. So a, a sample calculation for a five-person household uh, that included uh, two pre-DDA uh, adults, one of whom was uh, over the age of 60, uh, a post-DDA adult, uh, and two children, uh, one of whom would disabled, uh, would come out to just over $40,000. Um, and the amounts paid uh, that, that are attributed to each individual are, are shown there. Um, and again, that is a benefit that is only available to the, the legacy household uh, that were established prior to 2011. Um, so the, the 2019 amendment uh, was approved by the TIDA Board and Board of Supervisors, um, and it grants uh, residents of the villages that moved in after uh, 2011 and prior to the end of 2019 uh, with priority access to uh, new affordable units um, so that they do have an option to remain on the island um, it, when, uh, when it comes time uh, to be relocated. Um, and uh, letters went out uh, to the, all of the vested residents uh, uh, informing of this and then subsequent communication provided each uh, resident of the village's um, legacy or vested resident with a uh, Treasure Island resident preference number uh, which could be used in future Dahlia, Treasure Island Dahlia lotteries. Um, in 2020, the uh, focus really shifted to uh, the pre-marketing effort for the Bristol uh, condominiums. Um, pre-marketing notices were sent to all of the eligible Households, ultimately seven um, households did apply and enter the Dahlia Lottery, um, and uh, occupancy for that building uh, was achieved in June of 2022. Uh, and three Treasure Island households have now closed on the purchase of inclusionary units uh, with the support of down payment assistance uh, as provided by the, the THR&R. Uh, also in 2020, um, after uh, uh, the COVID shelter in place was imposed, um, 
uh, TI Advisors created uh, an online portal um, through which residents can uh, secure access uh, to letters from, from TIDA and TI Advisors. Um, uh, all of the distributed um, THRNR information materials um, understand their household area median income as well as provide secure communication channels with TI advisors, uh, both for uh, consultations as well as to uh, review and, and execute uh, forms um, with uh, for in-lieu payments or, or other. Um, the uh, portal also serves as a repository um, for all of these communications so that over time, uh, if people want to go back and, and find uh, um, you know, a prior communication uh, like their, their PINO or their resident preference number, uh, they're all saved there uh, for, their, for their reference. Um, this past May, um, in, with support from MOHCD, we conducted a, a randomized legacy household ranking to establish the order in which legacy households will be offered transition units. Um, for the Starview Court, we're first looking for, uh, we will first look for, for legacy households that uh, are interested in volunteering for moves into the Starview Court, uh, but after uh, any volunteers have, have taken units, uh, we'll need to make assignments uh, to the remaining units. So this established a sequence uh, in which offers would be made to individual households. Um, and um, that ranking was done in two groups with the households in the western portion of the housing area along Gateview and Avenue B uh, being uh, in the first group uh, and uh, all other households in a second group. Uh, and then those, those rankings were merged to, to create a single, uh, a single list. Um, and uh, following the ranking, uh, letters were sent out to individual households uh, advising of their rank, uh, and those letters also included uh, our current understanding of household composition and THR our benefit options, um, basically a, an update to the, to the previously issued uh, notices of eligibility. So moving to uh, next steps and where we're going from here, um, we're entering a new phase with uh, the projected completion of Starview Court in mid-2024. And so we need to expand our outreach in advance of that. Um, we'll be prioritizing printed materials and one-on-one -on -one interactions. Uh, while email blasts are, are quick and, and easy uh, to, to distribute, um, data has shown that many of those uh, emails uh, go unread. So uh, we wanna uh, distribute door hangers, flyers, uh, uh, and other materials that uh, will, will be more easily seen and uh, received. Um, the uh, Catholic Charities has begun the process, or Mercy Housing in partnership with Catholic Charities has begun the process of issuing monthly updates on the progress of Starview Court to our current Catholic Charities residents. And uh, we will be shadowing those with uh, updates uh, intended for uh, residents of the villages. Um, we'll be using door hangers to promote in-person events and important dates like 
pre-marketing windows uh, and Dahlia lotteries, as well as uh, sending tar uh, direct letters to individual, to, to target outreach audience uh, to promote one-on-one -on -one advisory sessions. Um, and we'll also be returning to in-person events and advisory interviews uh, with those targeted audiences. In terms of events, uh, we're uh, working to plan one in the May-June time uh, as an outreach session for, uh, to promote the transition unit opportunities at Starview Court as well as the affordable housing opportunities. Um, it'll be a drop-in poster board style uh, open house to provide flexibility uh, for people to attend when they are able and to promote one-on-one -on -one interactions and dialogue. Um, when we have these types of events, we, we typically do it on a, a weekday evening uh, as well as having a, a th three to four hour window on the following Saturday. Um, we are also discussing with uh, Mercy and Catholic Charities um, to have a uh, meet and greet uh, so that the uh, residents can meet the future Starview Court property management team, uh, as well as we're exploring um, with uh, um, CCDC and SWORDS uh, potential for offering tours of the new Maceo May apartments um, or alternatively uh, off-island tours of other Mercy housing properties so that uh, people can uh, get a direct sense of, of what the interiors of, of these types of buildings uh, can look like. Um, the targeted outreach efforts and the one-on-one -on -one interviews are really important because each household's circumstances are unique. Uh, their ability to qualify for affordable housing, um, the size of the transition unit that they're entitled to, um, and well as as the rent uh, that they will owe in their in their new unit, um, so uh, we do want to have a direct outreach to to really try and engage um, households uh, that uh, where we we think that they may face or they may have upcoming uh, decisions uh, or opportunities including households at the top of the legacy household ranking, um, but also uh, the current vested residents uh, for whom uh, the affordable housing opportunities are their opportunity to, to have permanent housing on the island. And um, if they can qualify uh, for opportunities within the Starview Court or other upcoming properties to, to really um, uh, verify uh, their ability to uh, secure one of these opportunities. Um, also, as we move into 2024, there are a number of, of market rate buildings that'll be um, being completed in the next year in addition to Starview Court. And uh, we'll be uh, conducting a pre-marketing effort with the developer of each of those individual buildings um, and we'll be working to promote uh, the uh, inclusionary opportunities within those buildings in advance of uh, their individual Dahlia lotteries. Uh, two of these are rental buildings um, where units will be affordable to households uh, uh, earning 60% uh, of area median income. And uh, the other is a condominium project uh, where the units will be inclusionary for sale units 
generally available to households earning between 60 and 120% of area median income. Um, so that concludes my, my update uh, today. Um, as I said, uh, happy to take any questions as well as uh, Karen is here if you have additional questions for Karen, but just wanted to follow up on our conversation from last month. Thank you, thank you, Bob. Um, that was an extensive report, and I know that this is in response to some comments that had been made at the last board meeting that there was little uh, communication with um, legacy or vested residents, but in fact, there has been over the years and months quite a bit of communication. We have tried to at least um, uh, contact all of the vested residents. I think we have almost, uh, except for maybe 3%, you know, so 97%, you know, after repeated efforts, um, we have contacted those um, uh, legacy residents, and, my understanding. Yeah, and I apologize, I'd, I'd pass these down to the board members. Uh, one of the questions was the, 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 the amount of communication. Uh, these binders represent a, a, a catalog of the individual letters and flyers and door hangers that have been prepared over the last four years. Um, and uh, there's a copy of it on the, the side table uh, if members of the public want to take a look at it, uh, but also for, for board members to, to flip through. I, I meant to mention that at the start of my, okay, my presentation. Um, and, and I would say that um, we, these next few months certainly are important, or this, the, what follows is important because we actually do have more affordable units and um, market rate uh, units coming up um, that will be finished at the end of 2024. 20, um, uh, and, um, and we definitely want to get information out to um, current tenants of their opportunities to be in that new housing. So, um, but um, I'm glad that um, you've put it all into a package here and I will now open it up to the public for public comment and then to the directors. Steve Stallone with the uh, Treasure Island Organizing Committee again. Um, uh, uh, Madam President, I'm quite aware that the, we are all aware that the lawsuits are between the developers and that Tida is not um, mentioned in, in the, uh, the suits. Um, but there is an issue here um, and it has to do with how the residents are gonna be able to deal with this. They are they were not aware, as we were not aware until last week, that these lawsuits are coming down, that the uh, capitalization of the entire project is uh, up in the air. This could hold, uh, uh, be held up in court for several years. Um, and, the, what, and things are just moving along as if none of this is happening. <laughs> Roll your eyes again, please. Um, uh, there are um, people who are being sold housing now, and they don't know that there's problems with the development. They don't know, they won't know um, how long, we, nobody knows how long this may be held up or what's gonna happen to it. The board has known from quite some time, several months at least, um, that uh, this is, that this dispute between 
um, the, the developers has been going on. And th th you're not telling the public, you're not telling prospective home buyers of what they're get, getting themselves um, uh, into financially. Um, and the, raises the question, why? Why aren't people being told? And, and when did you know about it? And um, yeah, what did you know? When did you know about it? Uh, the residents deserve to understand the situation they're investing into um, and so that they can make good. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comment. Yeah. Next. Good afternoon, everybody. I got a loud voice. Hi, my name is Melanie. Welcome, all staff. Y'all do so much work. I'm glad that I got invited to the meeting. And thank all y'all. I know everybody in here, everybody know me. First of all, I would like to say I love Treasure Island. I've been there for 25 years, first baby born. I don't, I'm not coming here to complain, but what I am coming here for my life, I can't go nowhere else. I don't know nothing else. I really appreciate because I had a dream that this was going to come. So I'm so proud, but I just want to make sure that everybody come on the same page. And when the development do come, don't forget about the people that's there. Because I'm not going to be able to, I already been in 10 units. I have my son there. He's disabled now. My, my husband have a placemaker and a kidney. And I know everybody on these boards. I know everybody that helped me grow for Treasure Island, but I don't have nowhere to go. So at the end of the day, let's just work together. I'm glad that this is happening. Stick together, because that's a beautiful place. So, but we can all be together, and I have a place. So if I fall out and die today, my kids have a place to stay. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Jeff Klein again. I, uh, I live in the villages. All the existing housing is still owned by the Navy. It's uh, in Circla site. It's a Superfund cleanup site. Circla site 12 used to be called the old bunker area. Now it's called the housing area. Um, the transfer of that property is conditional on a successful completion of the Navy cleanup. That is not assured. And because it's not assured, the memorandum of, of understanding in 2014 for the purchase of the parcel, parcels on Treasure Island that are part of the project, which include, would include Site 12, is conditional on the cleanup. Since that is conditional, that means that the MOA in 2014 is not binding, right? That was the purchase, the so-called so acquisition. You say, Tida acquired the housing sites in the Navy Master Housing Lease. I have a copy of the housing lease, the Navy Master Housing Lease, between Tida and the USA. And it specifically says that it is not a conveyance. It is not a sale of the property. I had a letter to you that was responded to by city, Deputy City Attorney Charles Sullivan. And he said, well, it might be, it can be, a lease can be a conveyance. And I said, it is not a conveyance. It says so in the master housing lease from the Navy. 
So this whole idea of acquisition, that's a lie. That's a lie, sir. There was no acquisition. If it was acquired in, 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 by, by lease, then why did you have to do a memorandum of, of understanding in 2014 to actually purchase the property? So that's a bunch of nonsense. The reason we're here is because of the Treasure Island Homeless Development Initiative. That allowed the, the city to enter into a contract to lease the property with the TIDA to lease the property for $30,000 a month. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And the rest of the property um, on Treasure Island is free from the Navy. You're not paying for anything. So let's move on. You say there was a ruling in, in 2015. Show me the ruling about the, the YBI lawsuit. My understanding, because I talked to the lawyers and I talked to the people in that lawsuit, my understanding is it was thrown out of court because it was the wrong venue. I told them to apply. It's federal law. They should have applied in federal court. They applied in superior court. If you have such a ruling of their opinion, prove it. Produce that ruling. They did not make an opinion, as far as I'm aware, on the merits of that claim. So that's nonsense, too. Plaintiff's right of possession. You're quoting from it, but that's bull. And of course, you, you, you studiously avoid talking about last resort housing. I brought last resort housing. It's part of federal and state relocation law. I brought it up a dozen, 20 times. And there's no response on that. And then you want to go down to, uh, you know, what a surprising little piece of information that there, we were told that 30% of the, the, the project was going to be affordable. And then they went down to 25%. And now, what's the number now? 1,900. And how many units now are going to be affordable? So these promises, what are the, you know, I forget where the, where's the number, 1,866 affordable housing units. What happened to the 20, 2,100? Uh, and then the numbers, the, the money. Federal law applies, the URA, in the Constitution, federal law is superior to state law, state law is superior to city law. It doesn't matter what the city says about the compensation for relocation benefits. What matters is the federal law. The number from federal law is close to $7,000. $7,000 per, per, per person. And previously you, you told us that the cap was 20,000 for the entire uh, property for, for any- Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments? Okay. We do have one caller on the line. We'll, we'll take the comment online now. Um, I would like to just get a clear statement of understanding for the people that have moved in starting from 2020 onward, what we are going to be offered. Thank you, that's all. Thank you. Anything, anybody else online? There's no further public comment. Okay. Um, Bob, do you care to comment on the um, person on the phone's question at this time? Yeah, for uh, residents that moved in after 2020, um, they're currently the only benefits that are available to them are advisory services. Thank you for that answer. Um, so we will now go to the directors, and I see Ms. Richardson, you have a question or a comment? Yeah. Thank you, Bob. I know that um, 
We have to make this presentation, and it should be ongoing, just as reference. But I also think that it might be useful for us, if I was sitting in the public, that we extrapolate some of the data, and we kind of you know, help the public to break it down. I think that's where next time that um, we are going to be talking about the relocation housing, that we can just even spend some time to be on the questions on, on some of the data. Um, you alluded to, and I'm, I w I'm going to suggest also every time that we have this question that we also have the city attorney here. It's, it's extremely very important because, you know, we're reading about superior court laws and everyone knows, and I don't know, there are lingering questions about where people evicted from Treasure Island. Uh, you know, the fact of the matter, the part of the part is that the city went to the Navy. The Navy was reluctant. They did city. It was a record. The city actually, the Navy did not want anyone to live on Treasure Island because they were going to go out and do the cleanup and then convey that to the, but the city went to the Navy and the rest is history to allow, at that time was, homeless, you know, resident of San Francisco, low income, to live there. Those are the facts. And so when we're talking about federal law, relocation law, and also the state applicable relocation laws, we need to make sure that we let, because, they are, because of these lingering questions, to let the public understand what has transpired and why we're here today. But I wanna go to the Treasure Island household. In 2011, we have, you indicated here, 92. I'm the one, in fact, I'm glad that you have this binder, which actually the binder is gonna convey how many meetings I, I call for that, that will be able to show how many meetings and we need to keep updating this binder so because at some point, it's an evidentiary uh, file that we need to really go that. You know, how many meetings we conducted, how many people we've spoken to, when did we speak to them, so that all the residents will know um, how effective our communication outreach and on all the um, funds that we have earmarked since 2011. At some point, we need to indicate to the public also how much we have spent in, on this exercise, it's part of the, of the whole thing. So out of the 92, I'm expecting that we should have a breakdown because the pre-DDA household are the ones that are the primary um, on the priority of this commission. Yeah, we're obligated to all the residents, but the primary, the pre-DDA, are the ones that we're dispensing you know, a lot of money even up to this point we ought to be able to justify that. So out of the 92 households in the 2011, if I were to ask you or anyone at this point, how many of those residents today would be able to be given opportunity for the 23 transitional units at the summer of 2024? This is 2023. We ought to be able to have at least X amount of residents 
for sure because we have done this, 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 and that. We have had this arrangement with all the criteria we ought to be having. At this point, we have a lot of information that we've been able to produce, but I want us now to begin to narrow this down to the actual data so that anybody, the borough supervisor, just about anybody, any resident, just show me, you know, am I one of these 23 units that I am? What are the expectations? And this is, you know, April 2023. Again, I'd like to see a spreadsheet of where we are. So case number one in the star view is going to be summer 2024. We also should be able to let the residents know after 2024, what are the opportunities for, those, for, the, for the rest of these and the numbers in order for them to be able to plan their lives and to be able to know where they are. I've been talking about this before. This is what the information that we need. And then we can supplement the information with all this information and the binders and everything to have. Should there be questions, or should there be critics or whatever, we are going to be doing that. In your income allocation, I find it very interesting that 20, percent of the residents have not indicated their income. So that's one out of five by ratio, right? How are you going to be able to proceed with those residents in terms of whether they might be qualified for rental or whatever? Isn't uh, the income part of the criteria mandatory for you to be able to assess correctly the financial capabilities of those households? I would think so. So a one out of five, with all this outreach that we are having and with everything are still questioned. What are the questions then? Are we going to the category of those? What are we going to, because we are moving this process forward, right? And we're trying to carry everybody along. I would like to, to be able to look at those and why we are now getting with the, that information and how essential is that information to the total uh, decision making given the numbers that we are talking about. So I wanna just put those at the, uh, you know, at the table, thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, and I would note that it's already 3.35. We wanna make sure we get to the last item of the agenda. Um, but Mr. Beck, did you want to um, answer those questions now, or will you do it L in the future? Later, you can well, answer okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So in a uh, I, I did want to at least highlight that uh, Heidi Govartz, who is the city attorney, is is, is here in the audience uh, today as well. So, if, okay. um, so she she's been uh, listening to the presentation and the test questions and testimony. So. Heidi, thank you. And, and next time, please join us up here so that we know you're here. Thank you so much. Um, uh, let's see. So, Miss um, Azim, you have some comments. First of all, thank you, Bob, for this very detailed report. Um, and I know that AW, Karen AWS from AWS is here, and I know that you've been out in the community. We work together at Mercy um, to disseminate information. I just wanted to make a suggestion. Um, and that was, and I guess a question to AWS, but have we considered partnering with residents to be stewards of disseminating this information? Oftentimes we know that phone calls go unanswered, emails are not looked at. When I get a flyer at my house, I never look at it. I immediately throw it away. 
and there's so much important information and challenging jargon that for all of us to understand. And so have we gathered information on how residents want to get information and just what really how can we partner and look to residents as stewards in helping them get the info that they really need, right? So just a suggestion. Thank you. Miss um, Preston. I am in agreement with Ms. Nazim on partnering with the residents as I look through the report, and thank you, Bob. This is a very detailed report. Bring some things into perspective. Yes, um, I was looking more for a detailed account of the engagement, the calls back, how many emails you received from a resident, how many times the resident called you, how many times. And I've seen the engagement um, in the director's report, but I'm not seeing it in here. What I do see is due diligence, that many trees have died for your efforts. Um, but let's save the trees. And I think it would be, you spoke last time of bringing in different counterparts to help with the outreach. As I look through this binder, the most concise and specific piece of outreach that I see came from one Treasure Island, not from the TI advisors. When I looked at this piece of outreach in comparison to everything that's blue, green, and orange, the light blue, the, head, the headers were specific, they were concise, and they spoke directly to the residents, which brings into what she just said, it may be a good idea to partner with some residents or resident groups specifically on the island. Because moving forward, we're dealing with, it, it astounds me that I see all these partners listed, but during the time, none of these partners had any information on what was going on, which then again just brings me to the outreach on the island. And I don't know if this is the appropriate time, but we really need to move to have this vision and everybody on the same page as we implement this vision. Because I'm looking at this and I'm, I know my experience on the island with the outreach, the questions that were coming to both the resident directors who sit here from the different people of the different properties. And like I said, I see due diligence, but I'm not sure exactly what kind of engagement I'm looking at. And I know as a resident on the island, that counts as much as how this is gonna happen how it's implemented, how it's, the information is given. So we really need to move on this. We need to really have a concise, specific outreach plan on the same page with everyone involved. Just like when Treasure Island is developing their all-island vision, we need an all-island outreach plan. And it needs to be specific, and it needs to be agreed upon, and it needs to be implemented at the same time, in a timely manner, by everyone, because I'm, we're past this. Maceo May has opened up, and I'm still confused. Okay. All right. Thank you, Ms. Preston. Um, let's see. Uh, Ms. Howard, please. Oh, yeah. I think I just want to reiterate. This is, yeah, thanks, Bob, for this presentation. Um, last time we saw similar information, and, and I think what we were, like Linda mentioned, we're kind of looking for you know, how many people were contacted, what category they fall into, and just thinking about that, like, I have a lot of mixed information there, so I have a lot of questions, and I don't think I want to go through it, because I know we want to get out of here, but um, it looks like, just from my perspective, looking at this initial advisory meeting, since 2018, there was a full court press. 
and it's for the legacy households, and it said 3% declined the, the meeting. Um, that was 3% of 92, I think, 92 households. So 80 households were contacted, seems like. And we don't have any other information on kind of the, the mixed households or how many were contacted or post-DDA and then how one Treasure Island is that 260 outreach, those 260 units or are those residents included in this outreach? And I'm just, I'm confused of the units, I'm confused of, of like the mixing the percentages and the people and yeah, I think we just want a clear kind of idea of the communication. Um, how many people are, are we talking about here? You know, what information do we need, um, et cetera. I don't know what that looks like, but I, this isn't, it, I, I like this, I like all this information, but I kind of want something a little bit more just basic that we, if we were in an elevator with the supervisor and asked us, we could say, this many people have been contacted, this many people are left to contact, this is where we are. So uh, I, that's it. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm sorry, are you? Yeah. Uh, yes, so I, I think that this is a time actually, even though we're pressed for time, this is a time to answer some of these questions because this is the matter that is before us. So Bob and Karen are here. Um, if you want to you know, give some summaries, that, that would be helpful. Um, so a, a few things. Um, the, the outreach has been targeted at the legacy households, which includes pre-DDA households and mixed households. So there are currently 157 of those households. When we began this process, there were 182 of those households. So out of that 182, uh, more than 97% were reached. Um, and one-on-one and -on -one conversations had with those, with, well, a direct conversation was had with every household every one of those 182 households, and uh, three of them declined to sit for an extended uh, advisory session, 3% of them. Um, in terms of contacts and outreach, there are 321 legacy residents, and each of those residents has a different outreach history because there have been direct communication out and there have been contacts back. So each of those households has a unique contact profile. The community meetings that we talk about, the, the targeted uh, broad scale distributions like the preliminary notice of eligibility, those are categories of communications that, where the contact was made with every one of those residents. Then there have been, been follow-up contacts, emails, phone call exchanges, uh, with each with each household, um, one of the aspects with the portal is that it there is a portal that has been established for each legacy invested residence. So, more than 700 individuals each have their own online portal location where they can go back and look at their communication history. Um, um, so. You know, in terms of the, the extent and range and level of contact, that gives you some flavor. Again, the Treasure Island Advisors effort uh, is intended to be, it was uh, created to address the questions of 
the residents of the villages. Um, the, the one Treasure Island households, um, it, it is a, uh, uh, it's a different transition plan, it's a different set of, of questions, but it's also much more straightforward in that it, what ultimately is, is promised is the transition opportunity. Uh, there's, n there's not the complexities of it could be a market rate unit, it could be an affordable unit, you could take an in-lieu payment. There's not the, the range of, of uh, variables in, in, in that, so it's more straightforward. Um, we can work with, with One Treasure Island. Um, I know there's been, uh, to Director Breston's uh, a point, there's been a lot of variability uh, between individual One Treasure Island household uh, property managers and their residents. Um, One Treasure Island and, and the uh, things that they produced in, in the, uh, that are included in the binder um, are, were, were an attempt to um, uh, um, provide some uniform uh, communication. We can, we can look at um, you know, doing more of that because acknowledging that there has been variability and certainly um, you know, the, the, the facilities that are under construction or completed for source to plowshares and Catholic charities, those households have had a much higher level of, of outreach and communication than have the home rise residents. And, and so we can uh, try and help uh, fill that gap as well. Um, yeah, I'm... And, uh, so those are, uh, you know, some general thoughts. Uh, again, if, if any of the board members want to schedule a one-on-one -on -one with me to, to, you know, drill down into uh, detailed questions, you know, it's it's a very complex and multifaceted program that we we try and present here at a at a relatively high level, um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate I, that, um, Mrs. Beck, and you're right, available. it is very complicated. And um, certainly we understand that residents on the island who want to stay on the island um, uh, need to know what their rights are. And, um, and so um, having, having honest and direct communication is what we're after, and that's why we've hired um, the advisory services so that they can um, certainly uh, do do that, and um, and if they're not doing it, we, we need to know why. So thank you very much on this item, and I think that we will, you know, get the updates. We should be getting the updates on a regular basis as to the information that is going out, um, and if there's some problems with that, you know, we want to know. So thank you very much. Um, so next item. Item number eight, planning for parks operations. Thank you, directors. Um, it's a relatively short presentation, but um, we, we have been having communications about the necessary next steps and just wanted to uh, touch on that briefly to ensure that uh, that message has been heard and we're working uh, on planning to move that work forward. Um, for the members of the audience, um, just a kind of a high-level high framework here. Uh, the, the Treasure Island Parks and Open Space is our 
our plan to remain in TIDA ownership and, and jurisdiction uh, in the future. Um, and the majority of the island's open spaces, with the exception of, of the sports facilities uh, and some of the agricultural uh, farm space, will be subject to the Tidelands Trust uh, and uh, the trust exchange agreement with the, between TIDA and the State Lands Commission delegates that trustee response, those trustee responsibilities to, to TIDA as well. Um, in terms of the long-term uh, operation of the, the parks and facilities on the island, um, there's been a community facilities district established over all of the um, market rate housing sites, which provides a permanent funding source uh, for the future operation and maintenance of the parks and open space. Uh, and other TIDA-owned um, facilities and infrastructure. Um, during the early years of operations for the new parks, when while the um, Community Facilities District is still developing capacity, uh, Treasure Island Community Development uh, uh, is obligated to, to fund an open space subsidy of up to a million and a half dollars a year uh, to support the, the early years of, of parks operations um, and maintenance. Um, and as, as a reminder, the jobs and equal opportunity program uh, for the, the, the island includes a, a right of first offer provision uh, for any uh, uh, contracts for landscape services that title lets. Um, there's a right of first office offer for uh, one Treasure Island member agencies, uh, principally Rubicon, who has p historically performed uh, landscape maintenance on the island. Um, as as the uh, parks are completed, they go through an acceptance process with the city to formally transfer them to from the developer to the to the city. Uh, the the parks and other infrastructure are permitted under street improvement permits through the Department of Public Works. Um, and public, they, they also provide construction and inspection of the construction to make sure that the, the work is being done in conformance with those plans and specifications. Um, and when the work is, is substantially complete, uh, the developer applies for and Public Works issues uh, a notice of completion. Um, TIDA assets under the DDA come to the TIDA board for acceptance uh, and all infrastructure, um, including utilities and roadways, uh, go through uh, the Board of Supervisors to uh, accept those improvements on behalf of the city and the various operating departments, Public Works for roadways, uh, MTA for traffic signals and signage, uh, PUC for utilities. Um, where infrastructure is to be put into service prior to acceptance by the Board of Supervisors, a, a license is uh, necessary uh, and executed between the developer and the operating department. Uh, as an example, um, the new joint trench facilities on the island, the new electrical facilities, um, they have yet to go through the acceptance process, uh, but they're already in service, uh, transmitting uh, power on behalf of the PUC power enterprise, and so there's a power, there's a license agreement between the PUC uh, and uh, the uh, the developer. Um, in the case of parks, if we want to open them, uh, 
before uh, the board of official board of supervisors acceptance, it would be a license between TIDA and TICD. Um, looking at that, that says it applies to our first park. Uh, the developer has requested a notice of a completion from Public Works and submitted uh, not uh, supporting documentation. Upon issuance of, of the NOC, the developer will request TIDA prepare uh, a resolution for the TIDA board to accept uh, authorizing acceptance of the, the dog park. Um, and uh, we would likely propose a, a license concurrent with, with that, um, pending the, the formal acceptance of the, of the park by um, public works, I mean by the Board of Supervisors. Um, the, the developer will also request the public works prepare the legislative package uh, for acceptance of the park. Um, that process takes a minimum of 90 to 120 days. Um, but can take longer depending upon, um, you know, the competition for space on the Board of Supervisors agenda. Um, when we do the initial acceptance for the dog park, um, we're proposing to take a second ordinance to the Board of Supervisors that would delegate to the title board uh, the acceptance of future parks, uh, park improvements on the island, uh, which if approved, uh, would allow uh, the TIDA board to be the, the uh, or allow future parks to be accepted solely by action of the TIDA board. Um, some snapshots of, of the Boulders Dog Park. In terms of the initial maintenance for the Boulders, um, the, Rub the developer uh, has contracted with Rubicon uh, to support the uh, landscape establishment uh, for, the, for the new park. Um, and TIDA will be working uh, initially with Rubicon under our, our annual contract for landscape and janitorial tasks at the site. Uh, as I mentioned, Jan uh, Rubicon currently provides landscape maintenance throughout the residential areas of, of Treasure Island uh, and, and other areas uh, under TIDA control. Um, engineering tasks like the repair of sprinkler heads and uh, other things like that we would uh, would be performed other either by subcontractors through Rubicon or by public works staff through our, our annual maintenance uh, work order with public works and management and oversight uh, will be by current uh, title personnel um, there will be additional parks to follow in in the next fiscal year and we need to prepare a more robust uh, maintenance program uh, strategy for those including uh, the two hilltop parks, Signal Point and, and Infinity Point, as well as the stormwater gardens, uh, east and west Yerba Buena Island, as well as the causeway. Um, so as we look forward um, in planning for, for the physical maintenance, we wanna build upon earlier work by the TICD and TIDA team uh, to draft a operation and maintenance uh, framework um, updating site-specific chapters uh, or supplementing the framework with site-specific chapters for uh, the boulders and other early parks. Um, and then also initiate a long-term strategic planning effort uh, to define uh, plans for governance, operation, and parks, uh, maintenance of the parks going forward. Um, we have, I have spoken with the Department of San Francisco San Francisco Department of the Environment 
Um, we, we have uh, uh, an individual from the department, uh, Peter Brastow, who I mentioned earlier, who um, currently uh, works with us on our habitat management plan on Yerba Buena Island. He uh, has experience uh, working, on, working with the Presidio Trust when uh, their programs were first being established. Um, as well as a, a extensive relationships within the, the parks and natural areas communities throughout the Bay Area. Um, and we're going to some, enlist some additional uh, support from him in, in um, helping uh, um, our, our evaluation of governments and operation standards that I'll talk about a little bit more on the next slide, as well as leaning upon TICD and, and their CMG uh, landscape team uh, for their input to this process and preparing an RFP to contract for additional resources and expertise to support us going forward. In terms of governance, uh, there was a prior uh, pro um, discussions during the entitlement process to um, do a preliminary evaluation of, of governance uh, options, including a conservancy partnership um, there were uh, workshops with uh, TICD and regional parks stakeholders, um, as well as review of, of uh, various uh, studies and interviews uh, with similarly situated uh, facilities across the country. And put, pose, putting forward the questions, does a, a conservancy make sense for Treasure Island? What should uh, the roles and responsibilities of a conservancy be? and what should be uh, its fundraising goals or responsibilities. And uh, I won't read all of these uh, interview questions that, that were, were directed to stakeholders, but just part of the process of, of trying to, to uh, learn uh, from the experiences of other uh, agencies. Uh, the, the preliminary conclusions from that was that uh, it did make sense to form a, a parks conservancy for the island. Um, to successfully advocate and raise funding, um, the, the conservancy must be independent and, and apolitical. Um, and then also laid out a, a strategic planning uh, roadmap. And our plan for 2023-2024 is, is to follow that roadmap, um, as well as adding some, some more recent questions that have come to the forefront. Uh, in terms of the early needs for staff and expertise, particularly a horticultural expertise uh, and parks operations, the balancing the roles between TIDA and the Conservancy, both in the parks and open spaces, but also the Treasure Island art program that will largely reside in the parks and open space. And then the, uh, the roles of um, TIDA staff, Conservancy staff, and potential contractors in the day-to-day -day, uh, physical operations of, of the parks. So our next steps, as I imagined, uh, to review uh, the 2008-2010 analysis and the roadmap that it laid out and initiate uh, a, a strategic planning effort uh, going forward. Uh, looking at the key questions, is the conservancy necessary and appropriate for Treasure Island? Uh, what should its roles and, and responsibilities be? And as we build out the parks, uh, is there a, a, a tipping point where it will make uh, be the opportune time to form a conservancy? 
and from those questions, developing a work plan and a financial plan uh, for the next year, five years, 10 years, uh, and full build out of the park system. With, uh, with that, I'll, I'll uh, take any questions you have. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bob. You know, this is the most substantive um, presentation that we've had on parks operation in some time. And it is, you know, so, so very important. Um, you know, we've got the money to create these parks. It's capital dollars um, that come from bond issues. But um, once that money is gone, we're left with the operations and the management of the parks. And so we want to make sure that we have a system in place for the ongoing stewardship of the parks um, for, for its infinite future. So um, I'm going to open it up to the public for any comments and then to the directors. Are there any public comments? No. Okay. Okay. We'll hear from the caller. Good afternoon, uh, Supervisors. Uh, Christoph Offerman here. I have been listening to what was said since 1.30 in the afternoon. Um, I wanted to, um, can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to thank Director Beck for his um, very detailed report today on transition housing. I'm a little late with commenting on that. This is not in regards I, to the I'm park. Sorry. I tried to comment earlier. Please allow me to give a couple of comments. Um, Commissioner Richardson, thank you so much for your great interest um, in uh, supporting the residents. Uh, thank you, uh, Commissioner Nassim, uh, for su supporting the idea to create a partnership with the residents and TIDA to create uh, a more fair approach to traditional housing units. And thank you also, Commander, I mean, Commissioner Breston, um, for your support and your interest uh, that expresses a little bit of vagueness and uh, insecurity about a lot of the details. I understand, as you do, that this is a very complex process. I wanted to comment really quick, and i let you go, on the TI Advisors Outreach Program. It was mentioned several times before that they have done a great job. Uh, we respectfully disagree. Uh, it started out strong, and yes, residents have been reached. But we have personally not heard from them in over a year, year and a half. And these transition housing rules are going into effect. Residents are extremely worried about um, when and how this will happen. And I wanted to finish and finalize my thoughts by requestfully asking again uh, to be given options in those transition housing, housing opportunities rather than just being forced into one or the other. Uh, without you know having options other than leaving the island and to please consider us also for market rate units as we have been paying market rate rents for more than 20 years thank you very much okay thank you um that comment was in relation to the previous item but i understand from kate i allowed it because um the the call came in before we were finished with that item okay so i apologize i tried no, thank, you. The thank you thank you very much but yeah. thank you so um, we will go on to this item, which is about parks operation. And there's, are there any callers? No more callers. Okay, so then we'll open it up to the board. Ms. Richardson, please. Yeah, thank you, um, Mr. Beck, and lots of information today. And glad that you brought this item. Um, 
in 2023, this item is one of our foremost issues we must um, resolve and put things in place. And for our new commissioners, I just wanted to reiterate that, um, you know, there, the, the, the question here, it's a conservancy necessary and appropriate for Treasure Island Parks. We answered that a long time ago, that absolutely. And one of the lessons learned when the dissolution of development agency is that San Francisco had, over the last 20, 30 years, has created all the glorious parks. There was nothing in place. And it was on the eve of the dissolution that everybody was panicking. And I'm telling you, some of those parks are still a question mark, okay? Would they last? We don't want to hear. We have gone all over the country. We even had the opportunity to go to New York to look at Signature because New York City is a signature and an icon in parks in the world, in the not only U.S., but in the world. And we were privileged to have um, Commissioner Peixen. I mean, we, we met professors, we met uh, trustee, we got all the information, and here we are. But I think it's time for us to put a timeline as to what it's going to be, because before we know we wanted to have a conservancy, yes, the gun structure is going to take some time. So, Mr. Barbeck, given all this stuff on your plate, and we know uh, this thing has to work simultaneously because we are actually rolling out. People are going to be living on Treasure Island now. And so we need to move along with that. And whatever help you need to put together the draft work plan and what we need to do to begin to look at the structure, it's not going to take a month or whatever, but we have to start now. So I'm hopefully this is April that we will be coming out with draft. Yeah, let's just put, you know, work on the draft, and then we will work alongside with you to put it, um, you know, together. And any lingering issues that needs to be dealt with, because again, we are not the only one doing this, okay? We have the Presidio. There's so many parks, even in Northern California, that um, serve as model. And I'm glad you have Mr. Basto, but, um, but here also, Commissioner Fish and myself, but we are also very versed in this area. So we do even have in-house expertise. And, um, you know, Dr. You know, Howard, the commissioner, is also here. And together with all of us, okay, Commissioner Breston and Dunlop, and she, we, we have the expertise here to move this forward. I'd like to have this item to be moved forward in 2023. Thank you. Okay, Ms. Howard. I'll be quick. Um, yeah, this is great. Thanks, Bob. It's a, the first, we've had a few conversations about this over the last couple of months, and I'm really, I wasn't aware that, that there was an analysis done, and that's great to see, and that the decision at that point was to form a conservancy. So um, I'm really happy to hear that. And so these next steps and, and key questions, as Linda said, I think would be great to really nail down a timeline and, and get this moving. And I'm, I'm just a quick question. Do we have a is there a report or anything from that 2008-2010 analysis that you could make available for us to read? Yeah, I believe uh, there is. I'll, I'll uh, get that forwarded to the board members. Yeah, thanks very much, and thanks for having this on the agenda today. Okay, um, Mr. Dunlop. Uh, thank you. 
Hi. Um, so I just wanted to point out that we do have a dog park that's on the uh, on Treasure uh, Treasure Island right now, and although it's not quite like what we're planning for the top of the hill for the really fancy dogs, but I think it might um, be of some use to find out what's working there, what's not working. So seeing as we already have one within our realm, um, I think it would be great to look at that and um, just ask around who's ever doing the maintenance. So thank you. Thank you, um, Beth. Um, so um, thank you for this, Bob. Um, but I, I think to start this off, um, it's really important for the board to have all of the information that has been done before. And that, and that includes um, this preliminary uh, recommendation that ha was done, the preliminary report and recommendation that was done in 2008. Um, there is the um, CMG Operations and Maintenance Manual, um, which I think is almost complete. That needs to be sent out to the board, the link or the actual document itself. And then thirdly, I believe you had an intern, um, a master's student who worked on um, surveying the different entities in the city. Um, and and um, what they did, and that would help be helpful for us as well. So whatever information you can give us so that we can do our homework as well. Um, I would say that a lot of us do have that um, knowledge and expertise ourselves, but it is good to see you know what has been gathered before. Um, and then in going forward, I really think it's important for us to take each meeting, and so you may um, have a roadmap on what issues and how you want to bring the information to the board as a whole, um, whether it's done in committee or whether it's done at the board meetings. But I do think that we have to have you know, regular meetings on this in order to be able to accomplish something in 2023. So thank you on that. OK. To adjourn. Oh, we, <laughs> next item. Item number nine, a discussion of future agenda items by directors. You've okay. said everything. Yep. Nothing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then, no, no, no. Should we, should, yeah, we, should we reiterate what we've said earlier, but what we wanted on oh, the next agenda? He's capturing or, it. Yeah. No, he, he, He's capturing it, yeah. And I wrote so. some things down, too. All right. Move to adjourn. Okay, so do we have a motion to adjourn? Moved, moved. Okay, it's moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. All right, thank you very much. Great job.